0: Since the start of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had a daily segment on AirTalk devoted to the latest information about COVID-19. As time's gone on, we've looked at vaccines and how the virus and pandemic have affected the lives of Southern Californians. That includes doctors, nurses, epidemiologists, and other medical professionals fighting the virus on the front lines. In each episode of this podcast, we'll speak with one of our experts on the rotating panel of AirTalk guests who sharing their expertise with us daily. You can also listen anytime at LAIS.com, kpecc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. With us to talk about where we stand from Cedars-Sinai Medical Center of Los Angeles, Dr. Catherine Lay, infectious disease specialist and co-director of Cedars COVID-19 recovery program. Dr. Lay, welcome back to AirTalk. Thank you, Larry. How are you? I'm doing well. Let's talk first about how Cedars is doing. Uh, what are you seeing in, in terms of um, patient occupancy? Yesterday, we were talking with Dr. Schreiner at Huntington. They've seen a decline. Have you seen a decline at Cedars?
1: I believe we are starting to see a decline just like everywhere, everywhere else. But we're still struggling with you know, staffing shortages from people um, being sick, just like the rest of the community.
0: All right. Uh, Out of Columbia University, it's one of the places that's done modeling of COVID over these past couple of years. And their latest model calculates that by late next month, case numbers in the Los Angeles area will have dropped uh, to the numbers we haven't seen you know, since Omicron hit, and they estimate that we'll hit peak number of Omicron cases this week. I was wondering about your thoughts, because that would seem to track with what we've seen elsewhere, where Omicron came in like gangbusters and then fell off rather quickly.
1: Yeah, I think that that's pretty um, on point with kind of what we were expecting, given how rapidly Omicron spread and, um, you know, how it lines up with the holiday travels, et cetera, and gatherings. So, um, kind of similar to last year, except this year, obviously we, um, have vaccines and, um, people are actually probably traveling a little bit more this year, but, um, you know, these bottles take into account how quickly these things spread. And obviously with Omicron, it's going to run out of people to um, to infect um, either people who have been um, who got Omicron or who uh, have been vaccinated. So I, I am hopeful Um, that those predictions are correct.
0: British Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced today face masks will no longer be mandatory in public places and schools in England uh, and COVID-19 passports will be dropped for large events as infections level off there. The restrictions are being eased because government scientists believe that the surge of infections prompted by Omicron has now peaked nationally. So that's good news. Of course, in South Africa, we've seen a dramatic decrease in COVID cases uh, after uh, Omicron went through there. So to your knowledge, are we seeing any countries where Omicron arrived earlier than the U.S. where they haven't uh, reached their peak yet?
1: I honestly don't know um... I think the ones that you have just pointed out are, you know, obviously, South Africa is is kind of our guiding (laughs) guiding model right now. um, That's kind of where this initially was described. But I'm not aware of other uh, countries that have peaked that um, are not seeing um, the decline that we're describing.
0: All right. Dr. Catherine Lay, Infectious Disease Specialist, Cedar sinai Medical Center. We're at 866 893 kpecc Or you can email us your question for Dr. Lay at atcomments at kpcc.org. Please include your location as well as your first name. We appreciate it very much. Of course, even if we are peaking with Omicron this week, should that uh, come to fruition, That still means we're looking at several more weeks of the Omicron variant making its way through the population and a model showing a likely increase in deaths. And Dr. Lay, this may be confusing for us because we hear that Omicron generally has uh, lesser symptoms than the Delta variant or other previous variants of COVID-19. But because of the sheer numbers of people infected with Omicron, we, of course, are still going to see, uh, even if it's a lower percentage, you know, certain numbers of people get very sick and, and some dying. Um, can you give us a sense of, of, of what Cedars is anticipating?
1: Um, I don't think that that's changed. I think what you describe is is perfectly correct. Um, you know, kind of similar when I talk about long COVID, even if, you know, the lower estimate of number of people who get long COVID is 10%, 10% of millions and millions of people is a lot of people who end up getting long COVID. So the same thing with Omicron. And I think, again, you know, the, the difficulties here is specifically with Omicron surge, has to do with the imbalance between people who are getting hospitalized and sick enough with um, Omicron. Um, Even if they don't end up dying or critically ill in the ICU, they are still taking up beds. They still require care and healthcare workers. um, And balancing that with actual healthcare workers getting sick with Omicron themselves and having to be out of work. So I think that discrepancy is is what causes a lot of the... um, uh, issues uh, in the hospital in terms of being able to, you know, deliver care and, and keep up with everything. Um, but yeah, you know, we always see a lag in the number of hospitalizations and the number of deaths relatives to the number of positive cases. So Uh, that isn't new.
0: COVIDtest.gov, the website that opened yesterday, operated by the federal government to deliver free COVID-19 testing kits. The kits will be mailed out later this month. But just a reminder that uh, you can go to that website to get a limited number of free COVID-19 tests. And then, you know, of course, we have to be judicious in in when we use them. And what's your advice on that, Dr. Lay? so that we don't um, indiscriminately test and use up our free tests?
1: Great question. And I think it's definitely a moving target. Um, You know, there are some people who are testing every day. I don't think that that's really necessary um, because we know that in general, even before Omicron, the likelihood of a, a rapid test being positive when you're not having any symptoms is markedly lower. Um, I think it's most helpful after a true exposure, so somebody that you've been around maskless um, in close proximity for longer than, you know, 5-10 minutes, um, if you've had that type of exposure, that is helpful to test um, within a few days. Um, but certainly, you know, testing every day is not something that, that I would recommend. And, and to go back to what I was saying about it being a moving target, you know, there are a lot of concerns about whether or not these at home rapid antigen tests are quite as sensitive for Omicron. It does not seem that they are meaning that people who are test are using it, one who do not have symptoms or who develop symptoms, sometimes it actually takes a couple of days for those rapid antigen tests to become positive. So that certainly affects, um, you know, one, how you interpret it, and then kind of two, when you decide to take it. Um, I think that if you, going back to the specific example I gave, which is when you have a true exposure, at least waiting three to five days after that exposure is going to give you the most um, likely accurate result.
0: All right. Very good. Uh, We have Micah in Long Beach. Uh, I've been testing positive for COVID for the last six days. How do I know if I'm still contagious? Do I need to get a clean rapid test or a PCR test? Should I still avoid being around my 17-day-old newborn? Oh, congratulations, Micah, on on your little one. Uh, That's great. What do you recommend, Dr. Lay?
1: that's such a hard question um and again congratulations i agree the i think it depends a little bit on what micah is using as the test so if he is using at home rapid antigen tests um, those ideally should become negative because they do correlate a bit more with infectivity and how much virus you actually have in the upper airways um the PCR test is very sensitive, meaning it can it can be positive for a long period of time. So we don't rely on PCR tests becoming negative to kind of quote unquote clear somebody. Um, but the question about using the antigen test is a little bit more uh, um, nuanced. So I would say if if he continues to, at this point he's at six days, he's continuing to be positive, I probably would, you know, recommend going the seven to ten days of um, of isolation without necessarily retesting, because we know that, you know, people in general are not really infectious after that point. Um, and I think the the using the rapid antigen test is probably the most useful for clearance when you're talking about a shorter. Um, isolation time, so the five days the with the new um, recommendations from the
0: CDC. And just uh, restating what you just said, just to... to um put an exclamation point on it, the PCR test is not really the best way to determine someone's infectiousness later on after they've had this for several days. Because of the sensitivity of that test, it'll show that there may be a bit of the virus left, but not enough to make someone communicable.
1: Exactly. And also importantly to, to point out is the PCR test also detects, you know, very small fragments of dead virus. And so it can actually uh, stay positive for like three months.
0: All right. Um be great if they could get that uh, further refined, but I guess, we'll take, <laughs> I guess we'll take what we can get. 866-893-KPCC. Um, Jerry in Pasadena says, if I've been exposed and so I've got the virus in my body, but it isn't causing me to test positive on a rapid test, could I still be asymptomatically contagious?
1: Very good question. I think that's also a little bit different with Omicron as well. So, you know, very early on in the pandemic, it didn't seem like people were infectious until they were having symptoms. Um, With Delta, we started to see a change in that. And certainly with Omicron, it's starting to look like people are likely contagious at least, you know, one to two days before they they really have symptoms. So um, just to clarify Jerry's question, for you to be exposed is different than if you actually have virus in your body. So if you were exposed but you continue to have negative you never uh, negative tests, you never develop any symptoms, you are likely never, likely never had COVID. So that's a very different situation. If you are exposed, but then become infected and never become asymptomatic, that's a little bit harder to say. Um, like I said, the antigen tests are not as sensitive. And so you can continue to test negative for a while. Um, certainly if you start to develop symptoms, um, I would assume that you would be infectious. I wouldn't rely on a test necessarily. Now, if you never, if you develop symptoms later on and your tests remain negative, um, it's a bit more nuanced because the test is is supposed to be reflective of how much um, virus you have in your upper airways. So, what we call your viral load. So, the higher the viral load the higher likelihood you are to be infectious. And this was certainly the case with Delta and pre-Delta. With Omicron, it's a little bit harder to say, and and that's causing a lot of um, frustration for people. Um, It looks like within the first one to two days before the test becomes positive, You know, the first day you might not be very infectious, but the second day you are, even though the test is negative. So we do kind of have to take all these tests with a grain of salt. So I really would talk about, you know, I would rely more on what was your level of exposure? Mm -hmm. Were you just in a room for a little bit? Or were you sharing drinks with this person? or you just caring for this person? Um, And then kind of who around you is at risk that, you know, given if let's say you operate like you just don't even have any test results available. Um, you know, who are you around and maybe you should just avoid being around that person if they're higher risk.
0: Roy in Atwater Village emailed to ask, why isn't the CDC counting breakthrough cases that don't result in hospitalization? Isn't this an important statistic to have?
1: So counting breakthrough cases
0: that don't result in hospitalization. So the overwhelming majority of omicron infections don't mm-hmm. result in people being hospitalized, but do, do we know how many people that is that and and whether they were vaccinated or not? I
1: imagine they are keeping track of those numbers. I don't know what they are offhand, but I, I assume that's how we're getting you know, there has to be a denominator that we are using to get the number of the percentage of people who are hospitalized, which we know is very low. So I can't imagine that they're not getting that information.
0: So would that be gleaned from a survey then? Because at least the people that I know who have gotten sick with COVID and did, you know, wasn't, weren't sick enough to go to the hospital, they were able through, you know, their own home test to determine they had it. They made no report. There was no, so there'd be no way for the CDC to right. even know. So I'm wondering, right. do they do sampling then to try and get at that?
1: That's a, okay. I see what you're saying. Sorry. That, that's a very um, astute question. So, If anything, though, I don't know that there's any um, there's probably surveys and stuff that are going around. You're right. There is um, definitely a a huge number of people we are missing. But what that means is that the denominator is actually much higher than we think. And so, therefore, the number, the estimates that you're getting of people who are being hospitalized is actually going to be much lower in reality. Right. The number that you're getting is actually an overestimate. So I think that that's a. what they're what you're seeing is actually a conservative number, um, and it's reassuring that there's likely many more people who actually have Omicron that we just don't actually know about.
0: Dr. Lay, thank you as always. We sure appreciate your being with us and appreciate all you're doing professionally at Cedars as well. Thank you, and uh, uh, we'll look forward to talking with you again in the days to come.
1: Great. Thanks, Larry.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of COVID in L.A., if you'd like to stay up to date with the latest coronavirus news, you can listen anytime at las.com at KPCC.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. See you next time and stay safe. I'm Larry Mantle.